Hey guys, this week's episode is brought to you by Thomas Avenue Ceramics, an online tile store that's built on 70 years of industry knowledge, but designed for the 21st century. You can browse their tile options at thomasavenueceramics.com slash YHL, where you can get 20% off your next order using the code YHL20. I'm John. And I'm Sherry. We like home stuff. We like talking. And we like the occasional game show sound effect. So welcome to Young House Love Has a Podcast, where we have deep and not so deep conversations about DIY, design, and life at home. Today we're sharing how our spring break trip triggered a big shift in our outlook on a lot of the things that we have in our house. We also talk about how to get chummier with your neighbors, and we finally find John's voice twin. And we're back. We're back. Hope everyone had a good spring break. If you didn't have a spring break, I hope you had a good week in general. I hope you had a good week off from listening to us. Right, exactly. Your vacation from John and Sherry is over. Sorry to say, we're back in your ear. So I guess the obvious thing that is new with us is we just got back from a week away at spring break because our kids were off from school and we actually did something this year. Yep, we got our act together this year. Last year, we totally dropped the ball. We did. We went on like a pretty mediocre day trip with them and said like, we tried. Yeah, we went in. We're like, eh, we'll just like do some fun stuff around town, like a staycation. And then I think we ended up basically working most of the week. And then like Thursday or Friday saying like, geez, we should do something. So then we drove them to Virginia Beach and spent a night. It was fun, but it was not spring breaky enough. It was not a game vacationing. No, it wasn't warm. So that was like this year coming into this spring break back on like December or January, we said, Let's plan something. Let's make sure it's warm. So we hunted down a place in Florida. Our criteria were just we wanted something that was walkable to the beach and that had a pool we could use in case we didn't want to be at the beach all the time. That's all we wanted to do. We were not trying to do Disney, Universal Studios, like crazy crowd, all that kind of stuff. We yeah, it was not simple. a scene. We were not looking for a scene. We were looking for the opposite of a scene, whatever yes. that is. That's the definition of John and Sherry's, the opposite of a scene. <laughs> really seen people i mean we'll definitely go to the festivals and all the fun events but i think we were looking to unwind for spring break we were like let's do the opposite of all the crowds and we road tripped there it was a two-day event so we stayed over in a hotel which is really fun for the kids i know that sounds crazy but they love a hotel and then we didn't mind the drive since we broke it up and i had too many egg mcmuffins would be my complaint <laughs> I egg muffined out at the end of the road trip. The place we ended up in was in Cape Canaveral on Florida's Space Coast. We didn't actually end up going to the Kennedy Space Center, which I guess is like one of the big attractions because we didn't think it was age appropriate for our kids. So we just stuck again to the beach and swimming. Our place was like two blocks from the water. So we were able to walk with the kids and it was an awesome beach. That beach there in Cape Canaveral or even the nearby Cocoa Beach, which we spent some time in as well, was really nice because it was super gradual into the water. So you could go out a long ways and it wasn't very deep. And the waves, while we were there at least, were not very rough. So the kids love playing in them. A daughter came back saying she wants to grow up to be a surfer. Right, that's all she wants. She no longer wants to be a marine biologist, surfer all the way. But I think that the funny thing about it, which was not lost on us, is we went to a place called CC, like Cape Charles, and it was a sleepy little town, and it had a beach that didn't have crazy waves and was very chill for kids, which is essentially why we bought the beach house. But since that doesn't have a toilet or walls, we went and drove to Florida for essentially the same thing. I'll put a link to the place we stayed at in the show notes. It was another Airbnb, and it was like a trio of cottages, as I called them, although it was one building that shared a pool. And we were lucky enough that the two other couples that were staying there didn't use the pool when we needed it. So it was like a private pool for most of the time that we used it. 
Yeah, I mean, it was really great. There were all these rafts and balls. One of the things I really liked about it, again, because every time we go and stay somewhere, we're doing research for our beach house, is that they provided a lot of things that were super helpful. We had never used one of those like rolling carts to get to the beach. And they had like balls and rafts for kids to play with at the pool. They even had board games for the kids to play in the house. I was a two-time Scrabble Junior champion. That's right. Basically, we did not drop the ball this year. We didn't. And you know, when we got home, I was thinking like, we have this weird thing where we get home from a vacation and immediately like unpack and put everything away. And we know that's weird. We know everybody else sits down. We've heard it from all of our friends and family. We run around and we unpack everything. And then when we sit down, we know we can sit down for a while. Like yes. we are unpacked. All the kids' things that they're going to ask us where they are are back where they belong. There's we, not like suitcases all over the place. Like no. Like the laundry's going. Yeah. Everything's ready for us to pick up where we left off. And then you... Like a weirdo. Yep. So something happened on the vacation. I read a book that I already had previously read. So I can't quite explain why this time reading it made such a huge difference in my life. And I know that sounds like an overstatement, but it's it really has changed the way I think about a lot of things. And it's called Simplicity Parenting. It's this thought that object fatigue and being overwhelmed by your surroundings and too many choices are a real thing, especially for kids. And I think I probably read it when she was little and I was like, okay, let's make sure we don't get too many blocks or too many things everywhere. You know, we don't want to like overwhelm her baby mind. Fast forward to now, we have 10,000 stuffed animals. Right, right. And I think that's what it was. It was when you're on vacation, you don't have all the stuff, right? Like we packed Play-Doh, we packed beads, and we packed kinetic sand. And it was funny to me that in bringing three toys instead of the 25 or whatever they have access to at home, they played deeper and longer with those three toys than they do when they have 25. And so when I'm reading this book and it's saying that and I'm witnessing that on vacation, it was this perfect storm. And it makes sense to me why he's saying fewer toys mean deeper play and more imagination and more creativity and less expecting all your toys to do all this stuff for you and make you excited and new things all the time. I mean, our kids were at the beach playing with sticks, water, sand, seaweed, very basic things for hours. It was like back to basics in the best way. And I think if we all think about our vacations, a lot of times we are running away from stuff and this feeling of your space being overwhelming or too many things to do or too many things to maintain or clean. Basically what Sherry's trying to say is as soon as she got home and I was putting away the luggage and stuff, she was like sorting through toys and getting rid of things the kids hadn't touched in weeks. And, and so- years. I mean, there were like puzzles our kids used when they were babies. And now they're they're both way older than these puzzles. And I don't know why I kept them out. They said when there's a toy in the middle of a pile, it's not being used, honored, or even noticed. And that's true. Like when you have too many things, it just, it shifts the focus. It's like in my closet, I like to have a few things I love because I call it my closet GPA. If I have a bunch of stuff in there I never wear and it's annoying, it brings my whole GPA down. Like it really, it just clogs up the works. And so I did the same thing with their toys, their clothes, the food in our fridge. I mean, I really, it was like, it's what my best friend calls burning it down. When she goes through everything and just like bags and bags and our car is full of donations. Yeah, we didn't actually burn anything. Not to my knowledge, at least. No, nothing was burnt. And actually, the thing that was impressive to me about the process watching you guys, because I really kind of was on the outside watching this happen, is you actually had our daughter involved in it, which I think the book had said, like, you don't necessarily need to get them involved because you might have sort of that mourning and that. Yeah, they might have the attachment of like, I don't want that to go, even though I legit have not touched it for two years. But But she she was was really into it. She likes to organize and decorate. These are two words she uses. I wonder who she learned that from. (laughs) 
<laughs> well, I'll say sometimes her organizing is like hiding things, which is not really what, how I organize. But she likes the concept. And I was just saying like, listen, I'm not sure you play with very much in your closet anymore. I haven't seen you in there in a while. What would you like? Would you like a beanbag in there and we'll make a reading corner? And then she, all on her own, said, no, I want a little table and chairs so I can have a cafe for my dolls. And I want to bring the play food in there and I can cook for them and play restaurant in there. And she even got an apron. Like the whole thing was her idea. And basically took my podcasting table. It's John's podcasting table. I had to go clear off a tea party so that we can come down here and set up. <laughs> so once a week, we're going to borrow the tea party table. Until think, we're going to get a folding table, Yeah, I think right? we'll get a new podcasting table, but I did not have it for today. <laughs> but I just love that I gave her the choice of like, what would you use? And she thought for a second, it wasn't immediate. And then we implemented what she thought she'd use. And literally when I was tucking her in that night, there was no talk of all the stuff we got rid of. She was in bed saying, I can't wait to wake up in the morning and play in the closet. Yeah, she was like, I can't wait to go play in my new room. And we're like, we didn't change anything. <laughs> it was kind of amazing. And I did not plant that. Like I wasn't walking around saying, if we organize, you'll have a new space. This was all sort of mental leaps she got to because when she saw that it freed up space for other things. Like right. another example is that she had drawers full of just random things in her room. And I said, hey, if we organize the things in this drawer and pare down what you don't play with, we could probably get your dolls and your doll clothes in here so it's not in the bonus room anymore. And she was like, what? More things in my room? I guess that was like real estate that she was really excited to play with versus it being real estate that was filled with stuff she didn't care about. Well, she was seeing it as a way to up her room's GPA, like you were saying. Like she, all the toys she wasn't using were no longer bringing down the average. She was only having things in a room that she really liked. Exactly. I don't know. It, it went amazingly well. I don't think it would have worked with our three-year-old because he just no. doesn't want you to take anything. But the book does have suggestions on how to do it and make it positive. So it's not like your kids come home and they're crying and raging because their stuff's gone. So I couldn't recommend it highly enough. It's called Simplicity Parenting, and I'll put the link to it in the show notes. Uh, before this turns too much into a parenting podcast. <laughs> John Sherry, parent extraordinaires. Asterisk disclaimer, not. Not. Still learning. Still reading books for the second time. Right, exactly. It takes us two or three reads. <laughs> By the fourth, we will give it. Uh, but I think instead, we've got some updates. So first update, which a lot of you guys have been tweeting and messaging us about, is S-Town, that podcast we recommended that we hadn't listened to yet, but we were excited to listen to. Yes, it was the makers of Serial, which we really liked, and I thought it was intriguing. Yes, we binged it on our way to Florida and back. And the thing that was interesting is so many people, before we had heard it, kept telling us that I sound like the guy from S-Town. Yeah, like I was tuning in like, does it sound like John? Because I listen to John all the time. I should clearly be able to pick up on this. So I thought we would play a little snippet so that you guys can see if you think I sound like this guy. Okay, here we go. Let me tell you something I saw one time. Okay, <laughs> I'm totally kidding. That is the character John, one of the like central figures of the series, but that's not the person people think I sound like. At least I don't think so. I don't think so. You have the same name, but not the same No, voice. he's a very strong Alabama accent. I think the person everyone thinks I sound like is the host, Brian. Right. Like one girl was like, I had the flu and I was coming in and out of consciousness. And I was like, why is John from Young House Love talking about this mystery? And they were like, oh no, it's this host, Brian, who sounds just yeah, like John. I mean, we heard it so many times. I would say I don't sound like this guy the same way that you sound like Mila Kunis. That's you think I do sound like her? 
I see that similarity more than I see the similarity. See, everyone listening tells me that, so I believe it because enough people have heard it. But when I hear her, like I'll close my eyes if she's on an interview and she's to me sounds nothing like me. But it, that's also true. Like when you hear yourself on voicemail, you don't right. think you sound like that. Right. So Okay, so let me play this clip. This is Brian Reed, the host of S-Town. And then John will say the same sentence and we can compare. I'll do my best S-Town impression. Like so many things having to do with John, it took me a long time to understand the meaning of this story. Like so many things having to do with John, it took me a long time to understand the meaning of this story. <laughs> How mean, was it? That was a little bit, um, Foghorn Leghorn. <laughs> That's my Alabama John B. Macklemore because coming in. Because you said ha- having to do with having John. Having to do with John. <laughs> I'm confusing the voices, guys. So I guess you guys hear it. I would say he probably sounds more similar to me than anyone else I can think of. Right. I just think he's so serious and you're not like delivering lines like that. I would say, like yeah, the topic and the cadence of our podcasting is a little bit different. Right. But also, listen to S-Town. We liked it. it yeah, really we good. liked it. We didn't love it as much as Serial. It was a, I thought, a beautiful story. The storytelling was... Right. It had beautiful yeah. storytelling in it. It was not a fast action thriller... Shoot em up podcast like most of those podcasts. <laughs> right. There weren't a lot of car chases. <laughs> But uh, we have some other more serious updates, I guess, or I guess more helpful updates than that. Nothing about our podcast is serious. No. So episode 43, we talked about an escape room. This is actually important for me to say. Oh, yeah, this is helpful disclaimer. We didn't mention that that weekend was the last weekend for that room. So when we were sharing things like you hold this against the wall and you use semaphore and you use, you know, you slide these things and a door We were not giving away secrets. Right. Those weren't spoilers. And a few hardcore... Escape room fans were like, dude, you just ruined that escape room. And I was like, oh, we should have said it was turning into a pirate themed room. And so nothing we were saying would ever be useful again because all the clues were changed. The room was changed. The art was changed. Everything was changed. Yeah, the place cycles through different rooms and stuff so that, you know, they can keep their customers coming back and doing new things. And actually, in fact, we are going back to do another one in two weeks. Uh, And my last update is that back in episode 37, I was bemoaning the fact that whenever you have to get like a test can of paint, you like use a drop or two and then you have this whole can of paint that you have nothing to do with. And I got a very helpful suggestion from a listener named Corey Bishop on Twitter who said your local high school drama or art department might like the extra paint. And so as soon as I got that tweet, I immediately looked up the email address for a high school that's nearby and shot the drama teacher an email and said, hey, I've got this paint. Would you like it? She wrote me back within the day and said, yep, just drop it off the office. Have I dropped it off yet? No. No, we're getting it together. <laughs> well, now I'm having that hoarding tendency where I'm like, will I use this at the beach house for something? If yeah. I'm going to use it, I don't want to give it away. But I think all it needs is about 10 minutes of my attention to look at everything and say like, no, I will never use this crazy neon green or blue because we have all of these different colors. We did books projects with them. Some of them are from 2012. I don't know if we still have those around, but Sherry immediately got very possessive of her paint. <laughs> well, I was paint like, cans. don't clear it all out before I look at it because yeah. I might use some to paint a vanity, for example. But for anyone else out there wondering what to do with paint i think it's an awesome idea to pay it forward to a local school especially if they could use it for you know like drama plays painting sets art any of that yeah exactly so i will get on that as soon as sherry gets on it i'm in an organizing mood you know i love to pare down why did you stop okay and now flipping the script i have a game for you Okay, so this week's quiz, 
was inspired by an article that a bunch of readers actually sent to me after we were talking about staging your house to sell and how it's so ironic that once you stage your house, it finally looks amazing just in time to hand it over to someone else. Like you don't enjoy it looking that way. You do all the work and then you leave and someone else gets to enjoy it. So this is actually an article by Joshua Becker, who is one of the minimalists, you know, those two minimalists from the movie we watched. And it's called How to Stage Your Home for Living. Oh, see a the twist. twist? I see what he did there. It's like, don't do it for others. Do it for yourself and reap the benefits, my friend. Okay. So the way that this quiz works is I'm going to read five things that I say are from the article. Four are going to be from the article. And one of them is advice I just threw in there to confuse you. You have to guess which one is not the real tip from the article. And if so, you win. Okay. And what do I win? Um, Some leftover paint. Yeah, you get to drive it to the drama department later after I go through it. You win a trip to the local high school. (laughs) So these are the five tips. One's a bogey. The rest are real. Number one, when you want to stage your home for living, you might want to remove a third of your possessions. Okay. Number two, find a home for everything. That seems a little contrary to the first one if you're getting rid of things. (laughs) You don't want to find a home for everything. Number three, personalize your decorations. Seems a little opposite to what, typical staging advice, so maybe. But this is for living. I know, that's why I'm saying maybe. Number four is consider curb appeal. Well, okay. Captain Obvious reporting for duty. <laughs> Number five is group items by usage. So I'm narrowing it down to the curb appeal and the personalized ones. Because I think the other ones make sense. Like, to find a home for everything, that's a way to make your house work better when you're actually living in it. To get rid of things we have just talked about several times is a way to make your house work better. And grouping items by usage, the last one, makes sense as well. So, I'm going to go out there and say the personalized is the faker. You are wrong. I knew it as soon as I said it. So, wait, what is the fake one? The curb appeal one? Nope. Oh, so the fake one was group items by usage. Oh. But I think it's really That's good a real advice. tip. Yes. It's something that I was noticing the other day. I'll give an example. We have a drawer in our kitchen that has all the Ziploc bags and the like reusable storage containers for food. And it also has paper bags for lunches. And in it is a Sharpie. And if you were going through our kitchen, you'd be like, why is this Sharpie here? Shouldn't it be in the junk drawer with all the other pens and markers? I know the answer. <laughs> the Sharpie is there because it helps us label lunches and bags and things that we use within that drawer. Like yes. a Ziploc, we might write on it, this is cashew butter. Because peanut butter is not allowed at school, it must be yes, labeled. Yes, and our son's snacks at preschool have to be labeled with his name so he can find them right so we do use the sharpie a lot and i think it's it sounds silly what does it save you four steps every day to not walk to the marker drawer and get the marker but by having it there it just feels so contained and so helpful to be grouping things by usage it makes me feel like i'm in control of my life exactly look at you being on top of things with your sharpie in the drawer but anyway i thought it was interesting the 33 percent was a number i had never heard before it seems really steep. No, the getting rid of 33%? Yeah. Removing a third of your possessions. Doesn't that seem really steep? Well, but you had just told me from that Simplicity Parenting book that it was like you should have your possessions and then have them again. Yep. Right? That's Especially, 25%. Yeah. That's true. I do like this idea of thinking about how you would stage your house, quote unquote, for actually living there. Yeah, I think it just goes back to um, being thoughtful and... Not having unnecessary stuff. Yeah. So I'll put a link to this in the show notes. I think it has a lot of really interesting points. And just the general concept is something I think, especially in this 
get rid of all your stuff part two episode that we seem to be doing, it's applicable. Yeah, I feel like this whole episode is shaping up to be a sequel. It is. To 33. It really is. Again, trying to do more and have less. Although now we've got a listener question to answer. And this one comes to us via email. Yes, it's from someone named Sarah Conley. And she writes, Before moving into your current home, you guys talked about loving that particular neighborhood and you were so grateful to see a home go on the market there. And most recently on your podcast, you mentioned your fun night out dressing up with your neighbors. How did you and John become so chummy with your neighbors in such a short amount of time? I'd love to find a neighborhood with a similar atmosphere. Sorry for the odd question, but it seems like even after seven years, the majority of my current neighbors are cool with just keeping to themselves and I want to break free from that mentality when we decide to move. Thanks, guys. It's a good question, right? Yeah, and I would say the secret is our winning personalities. (laughs) No, it actually is a really good question. And I'm trying to think like if the social atmosphere was something we really were conscious of before we moved in. I think our neighborhood is social and we just, we didn't know that coming in, but that was lucky. But then I also think that we have forged bonds with people because of our interests or our sort of our efforts. So it didn't just like fall into our laps completely. It was sort of a little column A, a little bit of column A. Right. I mean, I would say the things that drew us to the neighborhood that ended up being some of the factors that maybe have made us more social here than maybe in our past neighborhoods is that we were drawn to this neighborhood because there were lots of young families with kids. So there's lots of people that are in a similar life stage to us, I guess, than maybe some of our other neighborhoods, which were a bigger mix of young folks, empty nesters, you know, and everything in between, which has its advantages as well, having, you know, a big diversity of ages. But I think we did know that coming to a neighborhood like where we are now, there'd be lots of kids, our kids' ages that so they would have friends. And I guess that has subconsciously given us parents that are sort of our ages and that we connect with as well. Yeah, like we just inherently have a lot in common with these people. But I also think it's things that we have taken an interest in, like all the guys you run with. Yeah, when we got here, I think we quickly were keyed into the fact that our street was very social and there are already some tight friendships in some of the houses. And so I think you and I, knowing that we wanted to be in this house for a long time, like we call this our forever house, quote unquote. And I think we knew we needed to get off on the right foot. and Like we needed to try. (laughs) Yes. Well, we needed to make sure we didn't just like stay in our bubble and we needed to accept invitations for things and try to get ourselves, like insert ourselves into those existing friendships and social groups. Right. But not in a bushy way. You sound like you were like walking in their door. Like, hey guys. Oh, (laughs) looks like you're having a party. May I come in? What we mean is to accept invitations when given. Even if we had a young child and we were busy and if we had a babysitter, maybe we wanted a date night to ourselves. We realized that we were paying in on this relationship with all of our neighbors. So instead of a date night by ourselves, we'd get the sitter and we'd go to someone's house and meet all the neighbors and come home. So happy we did that. Even little things like using some of the neighborhood kids for pet sitting or house sitting duties, just like helpful things where families are exchanging texts and they're coming into your home and you're, or you're going over there, it it bonds you, I think. Yeah. And well, with that running group you mentioned, as soon as we moved in or shortly after, some of the guys in the neighborhood said, hey, we're training for this half marathon in the fall. Do you have any interest in doing it? I had not planned to run the half marathon. I had done it before, but I was like, okay, sure. And I'm I'm typically a solo runner. I enjoy listening to music. <laughs> so I had to kind of get out of my comfort zone to say like, okay, I'm going to run like with a group. And that was a quick way to sort of invest myself in some of the um, neighbors and, you know, become friendly. And we still like, I run weekly with some of the people in the neighborhood. 
And he comes home with all the gossip. <laughs> you think the ladies are gossipy in a neighborhood. It's the dudes in our neighborhood. <laughs> They're like, blah, 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 selling their house. Oh, did you hear blah, 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 is moving. We are not any more gossipy than anyone else. <laughs> don't just, give my running group a bad name. Well, he gets all the info, I guess, is the better way to say it. Because we don't meet weekly. The guys meet more than the girls or the couples. There do. is a girl in our running group. Okay? That's true. It is That's not, true. It is not this chauvinistic running group. Uh, I was going to say, you know, in a previous episode of while back, we talked about having a neighborhood Facebook group that we really liked for coordinating things, including some of these social events. And a lot of people chimed in after that episode and say like, oh, yeah, we have something similar or we'd use Nextdoor or whatever, all these other things to connect with your neighbors. And I realized one thing we didn't point out that gets to Sarah's question a bit. Our Facebook group is like just our street and like one street over. You know, we live in a larger neighborhood, but this is a very like focused amount of people. And I don't say that because like, oh, we have fun being exclusive or whatever. But I think being a small group makes us all a bit more comfortable because I know everyone on that board. We're, we're comfortable enough to say we're going on vacation. We'd like someone to fish sit or whatever we're right. looking for. Or you're comfortable enough putting out an invitation to a party or whatever. Like, no, you're not going to have 300 come. attendees. Exactly. One of our friends loves Halloween. She does the coolest, most insane Halloween parties. Full decoration. There's a theme involved. And I think those are fun because because she puts it on the Facebook group. We get amped and excited. Well, and it also is small enough that you feel comfortable being like a little bit goofy and stuff. Like, you know how we have like deer in our neighborhood all the time? Like if I ever see a deer meme, I am immediately <laughs> posting it to the group. John is the contributor of deer memes yes, in the group. Yes, I play a very vital role <laughs> in this. But those are things that you wouldn't necessarily do on a more public forum or a larger Facebook group. So I think it is helpful like to just start something that maybe is a bit smaller. And I think also any theme thing, like the thrift store date night we did was really fun because, you know, it's like an icebreaker bonding, like a gimmick, right. gimmicky type thing. That's what I thought you were going to say is like when you do something that has a theme, it's nice because it has like a built-in icebreaker to it. Right, like the Halloween costume party, you get there and you know, like, for 10 minutes, we're all going to talk about our weird costumes. Right. Well, yeah, I think it's whenever you're organizing an event that is something more than just, hey, let's all hang out. Right, like you could do a book club, you could do a mom's club. And I even think some random thing we learned in our last neighborhood that is surprisingly social is hosting a yard sale. Oh, yeah. You suddenly meet all of your neighbors. I mean, we had one right before we moved and we said, what a shame. We met so many fun people and we were moving. You know, it's, that's a really good it's like way. on our way out of the neighborhood is when we met more neighbors than the entire like four years we lived there. Yeah. So I would say doing any of those things, even your kids having like a lemonade stand on the corner to raise quarters or, you know, do whatever they're doing. It helps get out there. People see who bought the new house. They know that you've moved in. You know, a lot of times I think people don't know if you're in yet or not. They're not sure if they should knock on your door, if they're bothering you, if you're unpacking. So I think by doing things like a yard sale or a kids playing in the yard, setting up the slip and slide, like something to signal life in the house will Just help dance people. around your yard like a weirdo. <laughs> but I feel like Sarah also asked, like, if she's going to be moving, how she should know if this neighborhood is going to have that social element she's looking for, right? And we don't feel like we answered that very well since we said, like, we lucked into it. Yeah. But I was going to say to Sarah that some things that she could probably do is maybe signals of that is see if there's anything around the neighborhood, like a community center, or a pool or a playground, you know, something that already acts as a central gathering space for people who live in the neighborhood. And if not, if there's something nearby that would do that as well. Also, you know, see if the community or the neighborhood has a website or a newsletter or some sort of even physical bulletin board somewhere 
that gives you some signal that there's a way for the neighbors to connect and communicate, you know, or just ask someone who lives there, like, is there a Facebook group? You know, what's the social life like? I'm shy. So what I would do, I think, is just drive around and see what it looks like. And then if I didn't, there were no signs of life or something, I might... If I'm thinking of offering on a house, I've heard two people do this and I've thought it's so smart every time. They knock on the person's door across or next door to the house and they just say like, hey, I'm considering this house. I think I'm going to put an offer in. How do you like living here? And the people who did that discover that across the street there were kids at the same age. Like every time I hear the story, it's like kismet. They realize they have, it's the perfect neighborhood for them and then they have this confidence to put the offer in. We've never done it, but it seems really smart. And I would love to hear if anyone else out there has good suggestions because again, Sherry and I kind of lucked into it and have been fortunate to have kind of a strong bond with our neighbors. But uh, if you guys have any other stories or tips for Sarah or for anyone else that's looking to either hunt down a neighborhood that has a strong social element or how to create one within their existing neighborhood, we'd love to hear them. And if any of you guys have a question for us, leave us a voicemail at 1-800-NOPE. <laughs> Just give us a call and leave us a voicemail at 571-4-YHL-HAP. And before we wrap up with We're Digging, let's take a quick break. This week's episode is brought to you by Thomas Avenue Ceramics, an online tile shop where you can find great customer service and beautiful tile options that are delivered right to your door. And I kind of figured this was one of those things where maybe some venture capitalist saw a market opportunity and was like, sure, we can probably disrupt the tile business or whatever. But it turns out the co-founders, Justin and Jeff, basically grew up surrounded by this stuff. And even though they're taking a digital approach to this, Justin kept coming back to those old school values. Was there any number one lesson you took from watching your dad sell tile? Oh, man. I worry about it sounding cheesy, but one of the main reasons my father was successful in this business is because he didn't take any customers for granted and he did absolutely everything he could to make sure that it's correct, it's timely, and if you have any issues, you can come direct to me. I learned from my dad that if you have to stay late on Friday to get an order out or you have to go that extra mile, people really respond to it. You can try out their time-tested service by visiting thomasavenueceramics.com slash YHL, where all their personalized help and advice is completely free. Yeah, they've got a live chat feature along with design tips, and they'll even send you 99-cent tile samples. Plus, you can get 20% off your next tile order with the discount code YHL20. And now, a little We're Digging music, which I've missed oh so very much. I have like a sneeze that's about to come out. No, no, now that I said that, I spooked it. <laughs> it's gone. Scared it right back in. <laughs> right back up. <laughs> Sucked it. <laughs> like a nose vacuum. Well, for my word digging this week, I'm going to stick with the beach theme because I saw several things while we were in Florida that I dug. Hardcore. One, John could not stop staring at it. Yeah, I was a creeper on the beach, that's for sure. It <laughs> sounds so bad. It does sound very bad. So, yeah, I saw this thing on maybe the Buzz Digger. <laughs> <laughs> Back to Buzz Digger. I saw it somewhere on the internet. And then I saw it in real life. And it's this thing called an inflatable lounger. I looked up the name of it later. I'm going to be terrible at describing but it. But it so sounds like me. from the words inflatable lounger, you're picturing like a lazy boy, but it's a blow up lazy boy. That's not what it is. No, it's like a giant pair of lips. Uh, okay. To me, it's like a bloated straw folded in half. Oh, yeah, that's kind of, these are awesome. I think everyone is probably like, what the heck is going on with John and Sherry? And then they're going to see a picture of it and be like, wow, they were really good. That does really look like a bloated straw folded in half. But it's this, I think, just kind of like nylon fabric Mm -hmm. um, that's like a big tube or a windsock. And you basically kind of 
swoosh it through the air <laughs> to fill it with air. And then you close the end and you roll it a little bit to puff it up so it's kind of firm. And then it becomes this lounger, this thing you can kind of like sit in, almost like a hammock that lays on the ground. Yeah, we watched a girl like hang out in it. She floated in the water in it and got back to land in it. Like it's just kind of this chill, relaxing zone. Yeah, this family had two of them. And they were all hanging out on them, like right at the water's edge. And it looked awesome. And that's when I was the creeper and I was just watching them. Yeah, well, we were like the husband and wife could sit on one. The adults were sitting like a love seat. Right. And the girl was chilling. Like she almost got like sucked into the middle of it. Well, yeah, people were walking by and I think they thought it was empty. And then when they got close, they realized there was a person in that thing. there's an eight-year-old in there. Yeah, it was really fun. One of their brands, I could see the tag on one of theirs was a fat boy one. And so Fat Boy sells one, but there's also a lot of other different random brands um, that do them as well. So I'll put a couple links to them in the show notes because I think the Fat Boy one is a bit more expensive, but I think it's better reviewed. Yeah, you don't want to buy it and it pops. That was people's complaints is that they had trouble getting to hold air. Oh, and yeah, you do not want it to be like the worst air mattress of the bunch where you fall asleep and you wake up on the ground. Exactly, exactly. So I want one of these things because the reason why I was like kind of scoping stuff out is I'm thinking about when we kind of stock our beach house for guests and ourselves, like what might be cool things to have. So I wanted this thing. Also, something that our host at this Florida place had was a beach cart, you know, like kind of those... Like big plastic wheels, so it's all yeah, terrain. Kind of the thing that you might like go grocery shopping with in the city. Right. <laughs> yeah, we know that from New York. It's like what right. you put your laundry your in laundry and pull cart. your cart. But this is big wheels so it can go on sand. Well, when you are walking a few blocks, like yeah, we were, two blocks it is we had. so great because... I'll ask the audience, who can carry like two bags, four towels, and two folding chairs? And a cooler. And a cooler. Yeah, not many people. This cart, very easily. You looped the chairs over the side, you put the cooler in, the towels on top of that, and the beach bag on top. It was so easy for one person with one hand to pull it. The other person was in charge of our two-year-old, now three-year-old. You know, like he'd want to be climbing something. He'd want to be carried. Yeah, it made it so much less painful (laughs) to get to the beach because we actually didn't carry anything besides a child occasionally. And the last thing I'm going to dig, I realize this is getting to be a long section, but it's this thing that we didn't see witnessed, but I saw online that it's called a quicksand blanket. And it's this big blanket that's made out of this special material. So sand goes through it. But it feels like cloth, right? Because at yeah. first I pictured it being like the mesh of a screen door and being like, that's not comfortable. Right, that sounds awesome. But the sand would go through that. I would love to see this in person to see if it lives up to it. It has great reviews online. So I think that might be something we get because it'd be so nice to have a patch that you don't have to worry about getting sandy, especially if you're like eating on the beach. Yeah. And our kids don't understand the concept of walk around the towel. No. It's running right through the towel exactly. every time. Like, Do you want to sit down so you can have a clean spot to eat? Oh, yes. But let me walk all over it first with my sandy. <laughs> Like, oh, but now it's messy, mom. (laughs) How do you think it got that way? (laughs) Says not Zen dad at the beach. (laughs) Right, seriously. I was not the chill dad. I was like, everything in the cart. (laughs) And what I'm digging this week is a podcast. Because I listen to podcasts too, and I feel like John's always digging them. So I just veer off to like digging weird things like bras. (laughs) And we spent like 22 hours in the car over the last week. Yeah, so we've been listening to a lot of stuff. And I listened to a podcast called How I Built This, which was recommended a bunch of times by you guys. Um, People saying I would like it. 
predominantly when the episode about Kendra Scott came on. So Kendra Scott, for those who don't know, she does these amazing, big, colorful earrings that I am obsessed with. I'll put links to them in the show notes. I feel like everyone if needs... If you've ever seen a picture of Sherry, she's wearing them. I'm wearing them. Everyone needs Kendra Scott earrings in their life. So if you don't know what I mean, go to the show notes. I'll have some links. You can see like the colors they come in, the different shapes they come in. The How I Built This, it's audio. It's not pictures. But they interview different businesses to see how their business was built. How I Built This. Exactly. And it was so interesting because she started out as a hat designer. What? I know. Unexpected, right? You don't have nearly enough Kendra Scott hats. And it was amazing. Like her story was she got the inspiration because she was in a hospital and a lot of people around her getting treatment were losing their hair. And they were saying, we wish there was a soft, comfortable hat so it didn't hurt or chafe on a head that was bald, but fashionable. So she launched a hat company and it failed. And then knowing production and being interested in a business, she tried again with earrings and they blew up and they're in Nordstrom and they're like worth, at the end, they do valuations of the company and they said the company's valued at some, it was in the billions, was a really, really high number. But each episode is like a different company or different different, founder. Right. They've done like the people who started Instagram or how Crate and Barrel came to be, which I haven't listened to yet, but that sounds awesome. There are so many more I want to listen to. Oh, there's one on the Power Rangers. Ooh, I wonder what that's about. Um, the Power Rangers. <laughs> I, <know>. <laughs> <laughs> I just told you. <laughs> Thanks for listening to S-Town. I mean, Young House Love has a podcast. Even though we're not one of those action-packed car chase podcasts, we'd still love your support on iTunes. Just head over there to leave a rating or review, and we'd be forever grateful. And we'd love to hear what you do while you listen. Like Diane Furry, who listened while cleaning up after guests in her small Texas casita that she rents out on Airbnb. And check out younghouselove.com slash podcast for all the bonus links, photos, and info from this episode, like some photos of the cottage we stayed at in Florida and that bloated straw thing you can lounge in at the beach. I promise it'll make more sense when you see it. And that simplicity book I'm obsessed with, even if you don't have kids, it'll make you want to pare down your clothes, your fridge, everything. Later. Bye. And now for the We're Digging music, which I've missed so oh, very come much. come back to us, We're Digging music. We need a little groove session. <laughs> I don't know if I want to say groove session like I'm my mother. <laughs> <laughs>